Welcome to the Reversing Diabetes Podcast with Delane ND, the podcast for people looking to correct chronic illnesses such as diabetes through lifestyle change. I'm Dr. Delane Vaughn. As a physician, I see many patients who are ill because of lifestyle decisions such as food choices. Typically, diseases such as diabetes are managed with pills or injections. This approach creates a vicious, expensive, and unhealthy cycle of medication and then more medication to address the negative side effects. As a physician and a life coach, I work with clients to resolve their diseases, get off their medications, and live a naturally healthy life. If you don't like the healthcare system in America, I recommend you use less of it by being naturally healthy. So if you feel there has to be a better, more natural way to live a healthy life, you are in the right place. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. This is the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is episode number 153. Today, we are going to talk about feeling the emotions and how we do that. I feel like that's one of the biggest questions that I get from clients and from people who just email me after listening to the podcast. They're like, how do I go about just feeling the emotion? They don't even understand what that means. I feel like we're not taught that in society. I feel like I do a lot of podcasts on it because the more I I practice feeling the emotions that I have, the more I feel like I'm better able to explain how to do it. I feel like it's an onion and I keep peeling back layers and I learn more and I learn more and I go deeper and I go deeper and I realize the benefits of it and I realize different nuances of it. So I feel like I know that there's a podcast that I've done on this before, but I just did a coaching session with a client a couple weeks ago and it really made me think about the sitting with the really hard emotions and what does that mean? So I wanted to share that example and I kind of wanted to um, come back around to this feeling of the emotions because I really think this is the secret sauce to life. When we learn how to just feel our experience, feel our emotions, not allow our emotions to be directives that drive us to things that we don't want to do in our life, We get the release, we get the calm, we get the things that we want in our life, the things that we've been looking for. Before I dive into feeling the feelings, I want to mention that there will be a free five-day session. Many of you are aware that I do a free five-day session. This is for women with diabetes or something on the diabetes spectrum, so that would be pre-diabetes, women who've had gestational diabetes and they're worried that they're developing type 2 diabetes. Um, women who have polycystic ovarian syndrome, women who have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. All of these are diseases of too much insulin. If you are a woman who has any of these hyperinsulinemic diseases, you are eligible for this free five-day session. It is a five-day session. There are videos associated with it. There are two group coaching calls throughout those five days for you to learn how to start to eat in a way to reverse this high insulin level in your system. This is free, it's open to women. There will be a registration page on my website, delanemd.com. You can always email me, delane at delanemd.com and I will get you registered. So that is coming up July 18th through the 22nd. So if that is something you're interested in, please let me know. Let's talk about feelings. Let's discuss how we feel the feelings. So recognize feelings are information about what's going on in our experience of the world. They are our brain's interpretation of what is going on. That creates the feelings in our body. They are very similar to sensations. Sensations are also information about what's going on in our environment, in the world that we experience. 
but they are picked up by our nervous system and those sensations are brought to our brain and our brain interprets them. The same thing is going on with feelings. It's just that usually the thing that we're picking up, the sensation that we're picking up is something we're hearing or something we're seeing. Maybe it's something we're smelling. It's not just the feeling of something in the, the environment. So it's not the sensation of hot or cold or hard or soft or fuzzy or smooth. It's the seeing, the hearing, the other senses that we experience. We all are having these sensations and then we have our brain interpret them. And when our brain interprets them, it then gives us a feeling. So when we touch a hot stove, we will have a sensation picked up by receptors in our fingertips that will travel to our brain and our brain will say, hey, hot stove, remove your hand and we'll remove our hand. In addition to that, we might be startled or we might be scared. We might create this feeling in our body that there is something that we're being threatened by and that we need to manage that threat. When we touch a hot stove, this is what's happening. We definitely get this sensation that goes to our brain and our brain gives us an action to do. But there are times that we will touch something that's uncomfortable and our brain would tell us to remove our hand, but we override that message from our brain, okay? We do this with our children. If our children are in harm's way, we will frequently put ourselves in a painful situation to protect our children or something that we would not choose to be in because it's not great for, it's like not the safest place for us to be, but we're interested in protecting our children. So we override these messages from our brain all the time. Emotions are things when we perceive something in our environment, we have a thought about it. So I see a um, this is a great example because it's very, it seems very organic, but I see something on the ground and it's long and slender. My brain immediately goes to, that's a snake. My brain does this. Maybe not your brain, but my brain definitely does this. I see this when I go out for my runs. I'll be running on a trail and I'll see something long and slender on the ground and I will full blown jump. I do these, like, I don't even know how I do this without hurting myself, but I will jump in the air and get away, try to jump away from this thing that my brain perceives as a snake. But then of course, once I get more information, once I see, so that's a sense, right? Vision is a sense. Once I see what it actually is, my thought in my brain is different and it creates a different experience for me, okay? So this is how we perceive the world is all filtered through our brain, all of it. Recognizing that all of that creates feelings in our body. When I think I see a snake, I feel fearful. When I touch a hot stove, I feel threatened. When I feel something sharp, I did this, I was at a hotel the other day and I was moving a curtain out of the way and I felt something sharp and I pulled my hand back real quick. There was like a sewing needle in the curtain. I have no idea why it was there. Somebody had clearly been sewing that curtain, but I yanked my hand away, right? There was a threat and it did. There was like this surge of like adrenaline to remove my hand from the threat. So recognize we have feelings in our body 
but they're not directives. Because if that curtain was going to hurt my child, I would have totally kept my hand, even though it was getting stuck with a needle, in that curtain. That would, hands down, there wouldn't be a question about that. So recognize we have feelings, we have interpretations of the world, but they're not directives about what we must do. Sometimes they seem directive, right? They seem like they're giving us a direction on what we must do. When I see a stick on the ground and I think it's a snake, I must get away from that, like for my safety. But again, I will tell you, if my child was on the other side of the snake, I would not. I like would continue to move in the direction to protect my child despite the fear and the directive that I was feeling in my body about the stick on the ground. Feelings are the same way. When we have feelings, they can be very intense. Fear, anxiety, embarrassment. That's a big one. Embarrassment is one that I'm just like, oh, I want anything but to feel embarrassed, right? All of these are very strong feelings they're very intense and they really do feel like they are directions for us to do something, but they're not. We don't need to act in any way, especially when those actions are in opposition of the things we want to create in our life. Recognize that sometimes our sensations and our thoughts, our feelings are misfires. They're like misreadings. We have what we call thought errors that create intense feelings, but the belief, the thought that we have is not real, right? For example, um, we might behave in a way that we go back and think about and ruminate on the thought and we're embarrassed of the way we, we behaved. Other people in the experience in that saw us behaving this way have their own thoughts about how we behaved and it doesn't necessarily match our thoughts they don't necessarily feel embarrassed for us that's for sure they may not feel anything about it but we have these feelings where we're very embarrassed about the way we behaved and that creates this intense feeling and they can be mis i mean it's a misinterpretation of what's gone on Another example of this is when we believe something about the food that we're eating. That food, I did this the other day. I was really tired on a Friday. I'd worked on a Thursday night overnight in an ER, and I was really tired. And my brain was completely offering me that food would fix the tired. Like, you need to eat something because you're so tired. That is a thought error. And I've known it's a thought error. I could see it because I've spent enough time with that thought error to know, like, no, actually food never creates rest. Food never makes me feel rested. Sleep makes me feel rested. Food does not fix sleepiness. And I was able to correct the thought error, but there have been many a times. I can remember all through residency where we would work overnight shifts all the time, and I would eat all night long because I believed that the food was creating energy. It turns out I was no less tired at the end of the night because I ate all night. That was not what it created. That was a thought error. Food fixes sleepiness was a thought error. And I proved it because the result that I got was after eating, I was still sleepy. That's how you know they're thought errors. It's the same thing with the sensations, though, right? Sometimes sensations are also inaccurate. A great example is when I see a stick on the ground and my brain initially interprets it as a snake. 
that's an error in that interpretation. Another time though that we have sensations <clears throat> or information coming from the external environment that are erroneous, that are errors, are when we feel like itches on our skin, right? So I was meditating the other day and my toe had this intense itch on it. And I tried to let that sit when I'm meditating, but the thought came to me, there might be a bug on my toe. I should probably get the bug off. But when I opened my eyes and looked at my toe, there was nothing. There was nothing there. My toe was having an itch and nothing was there. That was a misinterpretation of the sensation that I was having. There was no bug. There's nothing there. I don't know why my toe is itching, but sometimes that happens. Another great example is when we get a rash, like when we get um, poison ivy, when we get have an allergic reaction to a plant or something, and we have itchiness on our skin. There is no functional reason for that itchiness. Like we're not, it's not like we're brushing off something when we itch it. We're just scratching. And usually, like if we scratch too much, we actually damage the skin and we can get secondary infections, all these other things, right? Like there is no relevant reason to continue to scratch poison ivy or another one that's really intense. I had this for the first time in my entire life. Last summer, I got chiggers. I'd never had chiggers like this before. Those, that itch was so intense and there was absolutely no reason for it. Like I wasn't fixing anything. I wasn't knocking a bug off. I wasn't getting any chemical off my skin. There was no reason for it. But that itching was so intense. So there's a lot of times that we have sensations and we have feelings and they're totally misfires. They're totally erroneous. They do not serve our greater desires. They do not serve our greater goals. They don't even create anything in the moment that we believe that they will. So learning to slow down, allow our feelings and allow our sensations is imperative to creating the results that we want in our life. Allowing ourselves to have the experiences, the feelings or the sensations that we have and then decide what we want to do even though those feelings are present, those sensations are present. Most of us all can think of somebody who has been able to create an amazing life despite some kind of obstacle, whether it be a physical handicap, a mental handicap, a disease, a birth defect, whatever it is. Like we all can think of somebody who's had a huge obstacle in their life and been able to move beyond it. They've been able to move past it. How these folks do this, so I'm talking about soldiers, um, Marines, military service people who come back from serving in a battle situation and they've lost a limb. They've lost their eyesight, they've lost their hearing, and yet they've gone on to do amazing things. We all know, we see these people at marathons. They go and they marathon. They lost a leg, but yet they managed to run a marathon, to complete a marathon, to complete the propulsion of your body, 26.2 miles of your own volition, of your own doing, not requiring a car to drive you there. These, we see this all the time. We see this with people who are born with some physical disability 
and they go on to do something amazing. I've seen this with kids with Down syndrome, go on to be these amazing public speakers and they were born with Down syndrome. I've seen people do this with pain, they have substantial pain and they still go on and create the life that they want despite it. We've all seen examples of this. People who have these obstacles show up in their life and they go on beyond that obstacle and create an amazing life that they want. What they do is they stop trying to fight the situation. They stop trying to fix it. They stop trying to make it something different. The war hero that comes back with an amputation stops pouring their resources in to growing another leg so that they can live a life with two legs. They just stop doing that. They understand this is what I got. This is where I'm at. And I want to create this despite where I'm at right here. Other people don't have to do it the way I do it, but I'm going to have to figure out how to create what I want, how to run a marathon, even though I've had one of my legs amputated or both of my legs amputated. The rest of the world, they just have both their legs. They get to go and run. It's real simple. I see how they do it. I'm not going to be able to do it that way. I need to figure out a new way. That's what these folks are able to do. They're able to slow it down, to stop pouring their resources into changing the situation, and to accept the situation as it is and moving forward. I see this with people with pain. I've seen this many examples of this with people with pain. They have chronic pain, and they realize it's not the kind of pain that means something is wrong. Like, it's not because they've got a broken bone that's causing the pain but they have pain nevertheless, but they want to do something. I used to, well, I still run races in my area. I just don't run them as frequently. There was a time period, probably a decade of my life where I ran races pretty frequently. And so I knew I would see the people, other people who were running races frequently also. And there was one gentleman who had had a stroke and he had substantial right-sided deficit, meaning that 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 part of his body he was not able to control the as well as he was his left part of the body there was weakness there was muscle wasting and he would lean to the right because he was always trying to compensate for this disability on the right side of his body he still ran races he ran a lot of races and i would watch his form as he ran and understand that there had to be some pain for that compensation like, this is just how the body works. When we don't have this balanced, this equilibrium of our sides and our muscle usage, there will be discomfort as you compensate for weaker muscles. So I understood that this gentleman probably was pretty uncomfortable, either during the run or definitely after the run. But he wanted to be a runner. That's really what he wanted in his life. He wanted to be a runner. And he showed up and he ran despite this clear disability that he had. And that was him. He wasn't trying to fix it. He wasn't out there trying to undo his stroke. He wasn't out there trying to figure out how he cannot have this disability. He accepted it for what it was and he created the life he wanted despite it. Okay. So this is what we are not taught well in life, but there are examples of it, right? If we look, there are examples of it. 
recognizing that there are some emotions and there are some sensations that we are going to bring with us throughout our life that no matter what we do, we're never going to be able to pour the resources into making them go away. So I was coaching a client a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, and she was having a rash and the rash was, the rash was very intense and very itchy and it was very consuming of her. It was very distracting of her. It kept her up at night. She couldn't sleep and she was trying to figure out how to make the itch stop. She was up in the middle of the night pacing her house, trying to figure this out. She couldn't get comfortable. She couldn't get to sleep. And I thought that this was a perfect example of how to learn to manage intense, uncomfortable, hard experiences. The ones that you can't make go away. The feelings that you can't make go away. The physical experience that you can't make go away. And her example, it was itching. Sometimes it's pain. The feelings that we can't make it go, go away. Sometimes we have feelings of embarrassment. Sometimes we have feelings, uh, feelings of hurt or anger or sadness. And we can't make them go away. Sometimes we can work with our feelings and get a different perspective that allows us to lighten it. But other times we can't. And I realize that in these situations, it's because we don't want to have a different feeling. When I'm sad because a loved one passes away, I don't want to feel happy. I certainly don't want to feel comfortable. Sadness is very authentic and sincere. I want to feel the sadness. If I feel something's unjust, the same thing. I want to be angry about the injustice of it. I don't want to be happy about the injustice of it. So when we have these feelings that feel really intense, pouring our resources into making them go away is typically unhelpful because you really want to have the feeling. Now, when we have these sensations, like the itching from a rash, we don't necessarily want to have them, but we also understand we cannot make them go away. Like you can put all the creams on it you want. You can put all the calamine, you can put all the Benadryl cream, you can put the steroid cream, you can put the numbing cream, you can put all the creams on it you want. Sometimes you're not going to get the itch to go away. There's, there's just not a way to make it go away. When we have an itch, we can't make go away. When we're feeling sad and can't make it go away or don't want to make it go away. When we're feeling angry and it feels sincere and authentic for us to be angry in the situation. How do we sit with the feeling and then move beyond it? That's the work. How do I create the life that I want? How do I create the results that I want when I'm feeling sad? Sadness is a great example that we really try to run from. We all know about comfort food. I don't even like the concept of comfort food because one, eating doesn't create comfort, nor do you want to be comfortable because somebody you loved passed away. It doesn't make sense. And it doesn't create what you want in the long term. If you are eating comfort food in order to fix sadness and that comfort food is creating your type two diabetes, that's not what you want. It's really not what you want. And it doesn't create comfort. Comfort's a feeling and it comes from the things that we think. It does not come from food right? Recognize when you eat the food, like this is the thought error component, right? I can eat the food and I'll feel comfortable. If I eat this food, it will be better. And we eat the food, but your result is your diabetes is worse and you're still sad. The belief that I can eat the food and I'll feel better is a thought error. That's one of those erroneous things I was talking about, right? This is a thought error and you know it's a thought error because it doesn't create what you believe it will. 
It's the opposite. You actually feel worse because your diabetes is worse and you're still sad about your loved one being passed away. So this is the work that needs to be done to learn to feel the emotion. One is to really slow it down and figure out what you're feeling. Two is to decide whether you want to have that experience, that feeling or not. And sometimes we don't. We don't want to have the itching, right? The sensation of itching. And sometimes we don't want to feel hurt, right? Like somebody's done something to hurt us. We don't want to feel that. But running from it to not have the experience does not give you the space, does not slow it down enough for you to decide what you really want to have there or what you don't want to have there. You have to slow it down and then make that decision. What do you want to have in this experience? If you like realize I can't make the itching go away, I'm just not gonna be able to make that go away, but I wanna have an enjoyable afternoon with my family anyway, that is the step we have to take. I am going to do everything I can to enjoy my time with my family despite having this horrible chigger rash. Or I am going to rest as best I can at night despite having these itchy spells. I'm going to do the best I can because that's all there is. I am going to feel sad at the loss of my loved one because sadness is authentically what I'm experiencing. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to try to make it go away. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to make room for this experience in my life and create what I want, which is to not be diabetic. So I'm not going to try to chase the sadness with the food because it doesn't fix it. Doesn't fix the food, doesn't fix the sadness. And I don't want to feel comfortable. I don't want to feel happy that my loved one passed away. All of this is exactly how it's supposed to be. So this is the work. This is the thing that we do. This is why allowing these emotions is so imperative and so important. If this resonates with you, if you understand that the reason that you're struggling to not eat the foods that make you sick with diabetes is because you get frustrated at the end of the day, you get annoyed with somebody at home, you get irritated with chores that you need to do at the house. If these are the reasons that you find that you're turning to food and that food is creating your type 2 diabetes, this is the work that we do in my group. This is what I do that's different than giving you a food plan. Y'all know what you need to eat or you at least know what you shouldn't be eating. The reasons that you choose to eat that food, even though it's making you sick with type 2 diabetes, that's the work that has to be done. And that's what this feeling work is. If that's something that would be helpful for you, recognize there is help. Reach out to me, Delane at DelaneMD.com. We can set up a consult and get you signed up for the program. You'll see how the program will help you fix your type 2 diabetes and get you started on that path. All right. If you're interested in the five-day session, don't forget to reach out to me. Email me, delane at delanemd.com or go to my website, delanemd.com. I will talk with you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also leave me a review. If you want to resolve your diabetes naturally without any pills or injections, I can help you. Visit delanemd.com for more information. Click on the work with me tab, send me a message, and we can set up a mini coaching session. You guys have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.